The state government is considering potential future land use and zoning opportunities for the western section of the land corridor, originally reserved the Roe Highway extension proposal. As of today, the Green Corridor runs from the Beelia wetlands to Glontuff Hill and the sea and is deeply loved and environmentally essential path for not only our wildlife and biodiversity, but for its mental and physiological benefits for those that utilise them. While the space is now free from a highway, those who fought to protect it did not do so for the sole purpose of preventing Row 89. It was to ensure its preservation indefinitely. You only have to look at the zoning map provided to see how few our green spaces are in contrast to the housing and other built structures. Um, Christine, what is the Green Corridor and why is its preservation so important? Uh, So important. (laughs) Um, The corridor crosses seven distinct ecological zones. That includes wetlands, paperbark forests, Banksia Tewitt woodlands and three different dune systems. And much of that's in really good condition. It contains threatened ecological communities, and I've mentioned those, Tewitt Woodland, Coastal Banksia Woodlands. They're on the national list of threatened ecological communities. We don't want to lose those. The areas also provide really valuable foraging habitats for endangered species, and we all know about the Carnaby's cockatoos and the red-tailed cockatoos and there's other flora there's lots of and recently heaps of people have been posting photos of orchids it seems like everybody's suddenly become aware of our little orchids this spring Um, and there's a lot in that corridor Uh, there's also lots of reptiles and there's other birds that are facing local extinction threats as well Uh, As you said, there's significant Aboriginal heritage in the area. Uh, There's a registered Aboriginal site, uh, and people can look it up. It's 18322. That includes Clontarf Hill and what is listed in the city of Coburn local heritage as the Hamilton Hill Swamp Precinct. So that encompasses all of the area that is Dixon Park and the whole of the area that is Clontarf Hill and part of Manning Park as well. The corridor is linked, as you said, in the west um, to the north-south corridor dune bushland of Manning Park and in the east to Belia Regional Park. So that additional connectivity strengthens biodiversity um, it's really valuable urban bushland for passive recreation, and you mentioned human well-being. We all know that access to natural places in our increasingly urbanised uh, southwest area is now well recognised, and it has a positive effect on people's mental and physical health. And the corridor provides easy access to natural spaces for many suburbs across its length. And the local community protested to protect not only Row 8 lands, but also the Row 9 lands. Many people that formed part of that protest live along that wildlife corridor that was or is still the Row 9. 
So at the moment, with the open community spaces and Aboriginal sites, what are they utilised for, um, obviously not only by the ecosystems and our native flora and fauna, um, but the people within the community who reside there? Well, there's lots of community land care groups and we all know that community land care gets people out of their local environment. They experience the benefits of green space, biodiversity, physical activity, connection to other people and responsibility to community, a really strong sense of purpose and a sense of place. And that is increasingly being lost in our uh, urban environment today. Uh, and I think it's really important that, have that, that people have that sense of place. So our community land care efforts add to what can be achieved by governments and that includes the Department of Biodiversity, Conservation and Attractions, and also the Department of Water and Environmental Regulation. And our citizen science contributes a whole pile of uh, data and information to the Department of Primary Industries and Regional Development and local government authorities. Um, so participating in land, group, land care groups um, provide heaps of opportunities for people to join in, learn by uh, participating in events that are held like clean-up days, night stalks, bird counts um, and there was a bird count just recently um, and we know that um, the data annually shows a decrease in those bird counts. Uh, also educational engagement functions that are facilitated by land carers. Um, we do regular hands-on activities and it's direct education and it fosters a culture of caring for the community and uh, for the place where people live. And that's not to be undervalued. Uh, the Randwick Stables is also a heritage-listed site. It's a well-loved um, port of call for many children in the area and many visitors go there annually um, because it contains not only horses but other livestock such as sheep and goats. In terms of Aboriginal heritage, um, there's increasing opportunities uh, for education about Aboriginal culture and um, for opportunities for, to people, for people to learn more. Uh, just recently, um, the Rehabilitating Row 8 held a session for people to learn Nugar language, for example. Um, and those kinds of opportunities um, are really, really uh, increasingly important. With the people that actually live in the area and get to enjoy the area, the residents and conservationists and community, what are the main concerns that they have of any potential, potential development that may come from this study? Well, I guess the main concerns are that we're going to lose that bushland um, that I've talked about and that we're going to see um, possibly increase in public housing and in the area of Hamilton Hill, for example, we already have um, over and above um, the amount of public housing that is recommended for any one suburb. Um, our, our view is that we support public housing completely, but we also feel that it should be distributed 
um, across suburbs and not be um, put in one single area. And we all know that uh, by doing that, it can create social problems that are not easily addressed. And um, we do have a few uh, issues um, and possibly um, youth centres uh, are needed in the area to address that. Um, we'd be happy to see youth centres created. Um, we're also really concerned about the loss of tree canopy and the possibility of creating more heat island effects. And with climate change, that's uh, a big risk. Uh, we're also looking at um, the possibility of uh, inundation in the future in areas like the Swamp Precinct. If people look at coastalrisk.com, uh, uh, they'll find that um, that area has a high prediction for flooding in, in the future, in the near future, in fact. So there are those kinds of future um, changes that are brought about by climate change that uh, should be looked at very carefully when designing and rezoning uh, this row nine corridor. Does that mean there's any negotiation with the government or is it best to um, keep the corridor as undisturbed entirely? Well, we're asking, and I think the community supports, uh, that any remnant vegetation that exists now not be uh, zoned urban, that it be zoned uh, public open space um, and that if in the event that housing is developed that that plan would accommodate a green corridor to ensure connectivity between those remnant pieces of bushland so that lose the possibility of biodiversity. We all know that species that are left in fragments of bushland don't do well because they're unable to cross-pollinate, say, for flora with other species and increase the biodiversity and for mammals, for example, leads to the possibility of interbreeding, uh, which is not a good outcome as well. As you know, they, the state government is holding the community drop-in sessions. So anyone listening, what can people actually do to help if they do attend or may want to attend? They can go onto the website, which is um, facilitated by the Department of Lands Planning and Heritage and make a submission with regard to any plan elements that they do agree with or that they don't agree with.